homeschooling moms embarking on a self-defining journey. Listen in on conversations that will encourage you to be your authentic self while uplifting your spirit and motivating your inherent potential. They're defining what culture is for their families and want you to do the same. Bring your children along too so they can meet the cleverly cultured kids. They're all for teaching the babies while they're young, adapting to the challenges of parenting, homeschooling, and being willing to learn the lessons that the children have to offer. It's all about uplifting one another and reclaiming your innate greatness. around 10 years ago that I sat in a doctor's appointment with my twins. They were around two at the time. And the doctor said to me, have you ever considered homeschooling your children? That was when the first seed of homeschooling had been planted. I wanted my daughter to be healthy. And so I decided that homeschooling would be something that I would embrace. For me, the thought was completely new totally out of the box because I had gone to public school and private school throughout my life. And I realized that I could teach my kids. I had learned so much from my older sisters. I'm the youngest of five and my sisters constantly taught me. So by the time I was school age, I already knew how to read and write. And my husband was a big part of my support network because he had been homeschooled for four years, all the way until he was in the fourth grade. And so I knew that my children could be intelligent and I could give them a very strong foundation. But it was something that I had never done before. And when you're homeschooling, you realize that it will teach you lessons you didn't know you needed to learn. And so for many of you, this podcast is a support network. We want to share stories that you can relate to, information that will help you, that will inspire you and motivate you to keep going as you teach your children in your homeschools and also as you decide to supplement your children's education. Because we know that homeschooling isn't something that everybody can embrace. And so in this episode, we want you to tune in and really embrace it because I am speaking with the president of the Vela Education Fund. And so I want you to embrace all types of education experiences. Today's African proverb is, Regardless of a child's biological parents, its upbringing belongs to the community. It's now time for the word of the episode. 
Today's word of the episode is brought to you by the country of Ghana. Adru, Adru, Adru in Twi means medicine. Adru. school family. Do you need extra encouragement to keep going this year? I know when I was homeschooling my children, the battle with homeschooling had its ups and downs, and I wish there was something that would motivate me. Well, Miriam and I had an opportunity to give something very special to each of you, and that is a clever homeschool support kit, but you need to sign up for it. It is very important that you sign up to receive a kit. So what is inside? Inside, we have t-shirts, stickers, planners, games, books, things that you will want and that are especially designed for you and your family as homeschoolers. We believe that representation matters and so we have made and created some unique things just for you and your family. And if there's something that you need, let us know. We wanna support you and we have been given a grant to do just that. So allow us to give you one of our incredible, clever, homeschool support kits. The link to sign up will be in the show notes. So check out our show notes page for more information. Welcome to another Cleverly Changing Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Elle Cole, and I'm a mom of twins. I am so excited that you've been on this educational journey with us week after week. Today is an exciting day because I have a very, very special guest, and I want to introduce her to you. With me today is Meredith Olson. Meredith, welcome to the Cleverly Changing Podcast. Hello, how are you doing? I am so excited to be here. I'm looking forward to a great conversation about some of the most unconventional approaches to education. Thank you so much. Before we get started, can you tell our audience just a little bit about who you are and your background? Sure. So I, um, my background is a little bit unusual. So I'm a mom of four. I have twin girls myself. So <laughs> that's always fun uh, and exciting. But I have four teenagers at this point, and I have been I've spent my my career working in a variety of different fields, everything from engineering to business and finance to working in the nonprofit sector and now in education. Awesome. Awesome. That is so many wonderful things. And I'm sure all of that experience has really brought you to where you are today. Before we, you know, really jump into the conversation, I'm curious, my twins are 13. How old are your twins? So my twins are almost 13. So they are, they are, they will be 13 in another six months. 
Okay. Wow. Very close ages, mm -hmm. but I think it's an exciting time. I love being a mom of twins and I love meeting other mothers of multiples. So I'm glad that we have that to um, connect us. So I'm, I'm so curious, our paths cross because the Cleverly Changing podcast is a recipient of a Vega grant. Can you tell us a little bit about Vela Education and how it got started? Sure. So Vela Education Fund was really started as the result of, I'd call it um, a sort of an exercise in curiosity. So, you know, rewind to four or five years ago, and I was working with a small team of folks from the foundation world, uh, people from the Stand Together community and the Walton Family Foundation, and we were really curious about education that was happening sort of off the grid, under the radar, in new and different ways in communities across the country. So, you know, we were thinking what we had in common was we know that education really needs to um, help every student understand and develop their unique interests, their unique talents, and then ultimately provide the necessary knowledge and skills so, so that each person, each student can live a life of meaning and purpose. So we were united in that way, but we were curious about what are all the different ways that education can happen and deliver on that promise. And so what excited us was this idea that, you know, there were many people in this slow and steadily growing grassroots movement who were, who were trying new and different approaches to education outside of traditional schools. So outside of traditional public, private, or charter classroom environments. And we wanted to get smarter on that. We wanted to know more about what was happening. And so we did a couple things. So first, we, we had a convening. We launched a convening of researchers, of people who were um, either academic researchers or think tank researchers. And we asked them, well, what do you think about this movement of people who are approaching education in a different way? And what we saw was that there had been a, a limited amount of research, a limited amount of knowledge or, or even insights into what was happening in communities. So we thought, aha, we might be onto something. Maybe there's, you know, there's there's an open road here to, to plow. And then the second thing we did was we hosted a convening of entrepreneurs. So we looked across our networks and, and pulled together a group of education entrepreneurs who were doing the work. And we said to them, what are you seeing? What are you seeing happening on the ground? And what we heard was, oh, wow, there was way more happening than we realized. And the other thing we heard was, wait, this was feedback. You guys might be interested in us. Philanthropists might be interested in funding this work. That was new. And, and that was something that was potentially very exciting, right? Because this was a space in the education space where you hadn't typically seen much in the way of government support or philanthropic support. And so that's what initially started what became Vela. We approached it with an attitude of experimentation and openness and thought, okay, what if we started to give grants to entrepreneurs who are everyday entrepreneurs, they're, you know, families, they're community leaders, they're educators who are just doing the good work in communities. That was three years ago in 2019. And here we stand today. And Vela has awarded 1,760 awards, which is crazy, um, totaling more than $17 million. And the entrepreneurs supported by, by Vela are now reaching more than 6 million learners 
and families. So this is just, I mean, it's been beyond our expectation. Um, and look, here's the thing, and this is really important. There are so many people doing good work investing in education, and we want to, to honor and respect all of that. And we do, yes. we're grateful for it. Um, but we also want to share why Vela is different. And it really comes down to two words. So what makes us different are one, permissionless, and two, trust. Mm. So these are two words we care so much about. Um, and what do they mean? Okay, so permissionless is a made up word. You won't find it in the dictionary, <laughs> but we think it's super important. If you are a permissionless innovator, then you are innovating your practice, your craft in response to the needs of families and kids. It means that you are innovating without requiring the blessing of anyone. You don't require the blessing of policymakers, of funders, or of people in power. You're only held accountable to the people you are serving. And in this case, that's families and kids. So this is critically important because there are brave, courageous, permissionless innovators in education all across this country. And right now they're receiving very little support and they're doing incredible work. So permissionless was our, our number one thing. Secondly, trust. Yes. So we wanted to do something different with education funding. So we try to be intentionally broad. We trust the permissionless innovators that they know what's best for kids. Yes. They've got the best ideas. And so we don't come, come out there with a long list of requirements or check the box items because we don't want to change who an entrepreneur is or what he or she does. We just want them to continue to accelerate the great work that they're doing. And then all we ask is that we can learn, learn from you, learn from what you're doing. Um, and then we connect all of our entrepreneurs to a community and it's pure voluntary association. If people want to engage, we've got live convenings. We have a social community. Um, we do some, we do some virtual meetups and, and the like. And so look, we're all about voluntary exchange and we've got this incredible community of independent, self-determined entrepreneurs, but you know what? People like to learn and grow together. So they like to learn from one another. And so that's, that's how Vela is different. It's about trust. It's about permissionless innovation and, and about really this bottom-up approach that's happening all across our country. Yes. Yes. You know, for those who are listening to the audio podcast, they cannot see the joy in your face as you're answering the questions. And I just wanna just take a second to highlight that because when you tell us about the passion behind the work you do, it just emanates the joy, the excitement you have in the work that you're doing. And I think that's something that it goes to show that your heart and your passion are connected. And I, I love that. And I love that you're excited about education because I know as a person in this space, this is really what our next generation needs. They need their parents, their, you know, the generation before to be excited about educating them and putting them on a different path. So I just appreciate all the joy that you're bringing to the work that you do. So you were telling us a little bit about um, your jobs that you had before in your career, but were there any out of the box educational experiences that you had that really helped guide you in this unconventional way of learning that you've really embraced now? 
You know, it's this is a great question. And, and I really wish I could say that there were, but this is why I'm doing the work. I didn't have access to those types of experiences. My, you know, I attended a neighborhood public school, typical, I mean, most people my age, probably 90% of people my age attended their traditional neighborhood public school. Um, I followed a standardized path. My kids are in a traditional school, but then I look at my life and it's been anything but traditional. You know, going from, it, I, told my, I tell my kids, if you want to end up in the, in the nonprofit or education space, what you first need to do is go get an engineering degree and a business degree. I mean, this is absurd, right? This is what I did. And on this crazy path that we call life, one thing leads to another. And, you know, it might not make a whole lot of sense, but it really does. And I'd love to talk about why it makes so much sense. So um, part of the Vela story is connected to a gentleman named Todd Rose. So Todd Rose is an author. He is a leading influencer and thinker. He is author of a book called The End of Average, as well as a book called Dark Horse, and another more recent uh, publication called Collective Illusions. Well, Todd has been a part of our Vela story for the last four years. I met him four years ago, and I learned from him about a dark horse journey. So this was fascinating. It really impacted our story. So in this book, he talks about how people can follow either the standard path or the dark horse path. So the standard path, and this is what we've been led to believe, is that, look, if you do well in school, if you follow the standard path, if you do what you're expected to do, then you know what, you're going to eventually become excellent at what you're studying and learning, and then you'll arrive you know, at the end of your days at a place of success and fulfillment. But for too many people, this doesn't happen. So let's contrast that. You know, they do everything they thought was the right thing to do, and they're not happy. So contrast that to the dark horse path. So on the dark horse path, you know, what, what you do there is you lean into what you care about the most, the things that motivate you, your inner motivations, your inner strengths and interests. You become excellent at those things, and then you arrive at a place of excellence and success and you're fulfilled at the same time. So if this is possible, and Todd in his book, he charts the course and the life history of people who followed the dark horse path, you know what? People become, we, we end up with a more flourishing society. We end up with people who are both happy and fulfilled and they're, they're really good at it and enjoy what they're doing, right? And so I think about my own path and I follow the standard path. And it let me down. So I continued to pivot, right? But it took me until I was in my, I mean, probably in my 40s to figure this out, right? It doesn't have to be this way. It really doesn't. So what Vela is all about is how do we help people who are cultivating the kinds of educational experiences that help students discover what matters most to them and then equips them with the ability to pursue the life that they want to live. And so that's really true freedom. That's what it means to be liberated. And in fact, we have so many Vela community members, Vela uh, grant recipients who describe what they do as really a liberatory approach to learning. And it's liberating from this standardized path. Wow, <laughs> that was amazing. I don't know if you could just share for our listeners the name of Todd's books. Can you say the names of his books one more time for us? Yeah, so he has, he has three books. The first of his books is called The End of Average, and this is a research-based book. Um, it's all about neuroscience and about 
about you know the science of averages and the science of individuality. That's the first one. The second one is called Dark Horse. And Dark Horse follows the narratives of individuals who have followed this Dark Horse path. And then his third book, which is out more recently, is called Collective Illusions. And so Collective Illusions explores the difference between deeply held beliefs and the values that we believe society expects us to believe. Thank you so much. And everyone, I will put the names of the books in the show notes. So definitely head over to the show notes page after you listen to this full episode to get the names of the books if you want to read them. So what you mentioned, I think, is very powerful because so many of us, me included, I went into the corporate world and I didn't necessarily have all the fulfillment that I wanted to. I was constantly looking for new directions. And I think that's typical for many people. And in 2020, many of, many of us found ourselves forced to pivot. It wasn't really a choice. And we didn't really have a choice. And so we had to pivot, but we also wanted to teach our children about facing adversity and overcoming it and knowing how to do something different in a healthy way. And I think, you know, what you've described and the books that Todd has written really help us see kind of a broad scope of how that can be true for us in a healthy way. So I think that's really amazing how, you know, all of those things have come together and you recognize as well as so many other people that our paths aren't going to be as linear as we thought when we were in college. <laughs> Because, you know, you pick your your major, you decide what you want to be and you think, oh, you know, kind of like when we're little and we connect the dots that we would just go through life connecting dots. And it's really not that simple. <laughs> we connect dots, but not in a one, two, three, four, five sort of way. We do it and we may have to go around different paths, loops and turns. Um, but we can end up where we want to be, but it may not be a straight line and linear path. So why are non-traditional education opportunities critical for people today? This is a great question. So if we want environments that enable students to be independent, to be resilient, to be able to be adaptable, as life comes at them, right? So that they can find their own path, then we've got to stretch the canvas of what is possible in education because our standardized approaches aren't going to get us there, right? And so while we believe, we believe very strongly that you can transform existing education systems, we think that it's very difficult for that to happen without the emergence of out-of-system alternatives that really do stretch that canvas, that show what's possible and then show the whole range of alternatives, right? And so that's why we want to invest there. It's to show a different way. And it's not just one different way. It's thousands of different ways, right? To really lean into difference and then let people find what works best for them, right? And then if thousands of different ways, then folks are learning and they're seeing what else is going on and they improve their product. They improve what they're offering and we get better over time independently, but collectively you end up getting better over time. And why is that? 
Well, because people are born, I mean, we are born to challenge, to push, to try something different, to make things better. I mean, that's just who we are and what we do. Education and, and traditional systems oftentimes tell us that maybe you shouldn't do that. Maybe it's better to comply. Maybe it's better to conform. That is not how we are wired. Right. And so, look, this is bottom up work. It's happening in communities all over the place. It's going to happen with or without Vela because people are wired to make things better. Um, so our goal is really just to add fuel to the fire. Like, what can we do to make that process happen faster without steering it? Right. So let it go where it's going to go, but provide fuel to really accelerate this this process. Absolutely. While you were speaking, what came to my mind is sometimes the traditional um, educational experiences hinder us from making mistakes or wanting to make mistakes. And I think when we look at life and growth, often mistakes will happen. But the key is how we learn from them and decide what we do next. Because I think a lot of young people struggle with making decisions, but sometimes you're not gonna make the right decision and that's actually human. That is normal and it's okay, but you should be in an environment that nurtures you to learn from your mistakes. And so I think, yes, risk, you know, are, are difficult and we want our kids to just do what we say, but risks actually teach us growth and they expand our mind. And so when you mentioned that, it just made me think that we want to foster environments where people learn from their mistakes and can do better from them, just like you mentioned. So I think that's huge and I think it's important. I know that you mentioned that you've awarded a lot of different grants and thousands even and i think that is an amazing number but i know that you've received so many different concepts from grantees what are two of the most unusual concepts submitted by grantees that you funded Oh, goodness. It's hard. Look, it is really hard to pick, right? Because there's so many great ideas that are out there. Um, I would say, okay, so a couple things. First, innovation. We often think of it as, you know, sort of Silicon Valley slick technology, and it has to be sort of futuristic. Yes, that's true about innovation. However, there's another definition of innovation. So innovation is can also be defined as the act of renewal, of making new again. So we're seeing a lot of entrepreneurs who are basically returning to basics and making them new again. So there's a lot of sort of ancient wisdom and, you know, we know how kids learn and we want them to be kids and we go back and lean into that. So we've got some of both. We've got this renewal and then we have, you know, sort of leading edge technology. Um, I would say one of the ones, one of our earliest um, grant recipients, a gentleman named Tony Weaver, launched a company called Weird Enough Productions. And Tony has reached more than 400,000 learners through his, it's basically education through comic strips and it's all online. And it's social emotional learning. He's got, you know, a whole lens of anti-racism through his, his um, comics, but it's just a different mechanism. So he thought, how can I reach kids with a different tool? Right. Yes. And so that's a great example of innovation. Uh, we've got um, similarly on the tech side, we've got, you know, Generation Esports that's reimagining high school curriculum, but delivered through gaming environments. 
this is wild, reaching alternative students, they're reaching tens of thousands of kids. But then when we think about renewal, wow, a trend that is just all across the country right now is nature-based and play-based learning, where you spend you know, maybe two to three hours a day in core or a focus two to three days a week. And then the balance of the time is really expeditionary. It's outdoors, it's, you know, riding a horse, um, feeding chickens, planting a garden, it's going on hikes. It's really just connecting with form and place and nature and your place as a human within that. Uh, incredible. And we see that happening. That's a really popular trend right now. And we would see that as, as education as renewal. This is like a back to basics approach of what it means to be a human, to learn and to be in the world and to be in your environment. Yes, you brought out so many different things that I want to just touch on just a quick second. So my co host is Miriam and Miriam is a gardener. And when you talked about back to basics, one of the things I think about when my kids were growing up, we were vegetarian, but to get my kids to eat vegetables, often I showed them how the vegetables were grown. And then they wanted to try them because they had a part in actually growing them and seeing them in the different stages. So Miriam also has chickens and her little ones, she has four little ones, and they get to see the different chickens and she's building a chicken coop. And so I think, you know, I think about the past, that is definitely something our ancestors did. And it's, you know, now we take for granted just going to the store, getting the things that we mm -hmm. need, but there's so many hands-on lessons that our children can learn from the work that's done with animals, with outdoors, with just learning how to relax yourself and occupy your own time. And, you know, I just think that those two examples you gave with the comet strips, what kid doesn't love comics? I mean, that is incredible to put some valuable lessons and tools in that particular um, comic strip and show it and present it to the to the children. I think that's wonderful. And we know that there's so many different lessons that are being looked at, you know, less favorably now. And sometimes kids aren't being able to see those lessons that we've learned for many, many years. And so to have different ways to explore knowledge, things like anti-racism is something that's important and is valuable as we grow, as we begin to shape our worldview. So I think those were two incredible examples. And what are, um, you've awarded over $11 million to educational organizations and groups. What are you most proud of? that you've done in your community? This is a good question. So we are, you know, something Vela feels very strongly about is that this whole story is not about us. It's about our community members. And so we wanna be, we talk a lot about wanting to be the host, not the hero. So our true heroes are all the entrepreneurs, the everyday entrepreneurs that are supported. So what makes us most proud is having the opportunity to share their stories, to shine a light on the work that they're doing in order to inspire others. 
So we do that in a lot of different ways. So we write blog posts, we we produce videos. We've got a lot of videos that are out there, guys. I mean, they're on our YouTube channel, they're on our website, but we've done, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 videos or more. And then we're now, um, we, want, we want people in the world to hear the story. So we connect to local media, we connect to national media. And right now we're averaging, um, Vela, members of the Vela community are averaging more than three mainstream media stories every week. So we're, we're getting the word out, right? And you, you generally won't hear the name Vela. What you'll hear is about, about an entrepreneur in a community and what, you know, what she is doing or what he is doing um, to serve kids. So that's what makes us happiest. I would say another thing that makes us happy is when we see community building that happens sort of organically and serendipitously. So I can give an example of this. So one of our two actually of our earliest entrepreneurs, Bernita Bradley out of, um, out of Detroit, Michigan, she runs an organization called Engage Detroit. It's an organization that trains homeschooling moms and dads, right? And so she homeschooled her own daughter. And then she said, I can help other people learn how to do this. And now she training people to train other people on how to do this, right? Well, Sune Yang out of New York City, who runs an organization called Rock by Rock that develops project-based learning modules, she was looking for people to work with to try out her materials. She, Sune connected with Bernita through Vela. They, they have now been working together. Bernita's kids in the, in the supported families are using Sune's materials materials. And guess what? I mean, the thing is just exploding. So both of their businesses get better, even as they're relying on one another. And they are they're They now have a friendship that's very close as a result of this experience. So that's what makes us really proud is when we see those connections happening. And it wasn't because of anything we did. All we did was write some grants, sprinkle some fairy dust, connect people, and then this incredible work just happens. Wow. You know, collaboration in the entrepreneurship world is so important. And really, networking is very critical. So you brought out a perfect example of how our young people who are learning and receiving education often see how other adults are working together to further that. And I think the example that you gave is so pivotal in just helping people see the importance of collaboration with others. We're not meant to be in a box and to do things on an island alone. We are meant to build relationships, to talk to each other, to engage. And I think that's something that's beautiful about the community that you all have created because it's all of these great minds that can connect to each other. So I'm grateful that you have the platform and that you're making those um, connections happen. And the synergy that's taking place is truly amazing. So what type of results? You just shared two examples, what, but what are some other results that you've seen from grant awardees? Okay, so we ask, um, we do conduct research with our with our Vela community. It's all voluntary, and we say, hey, we've got surveys. We want to learn more. We'll do some small focus groups, and we ask people, okay, how do you define success, right? So it's not for Vela to define success. It's for our our grant recipients to define what success means on their terms and for their product within their community with what they're offering for families and kids. And so we ask them, how do you do it? What do you think? And what we hear frequently is that 
entrepreneurs define success in terms of sustained and growing demand. In other words, do I have happy and satisfied families and kids? Are they coming back and, and reusing my product or re-enrolling year after year? Do I have demand that's growing? Are more and more people interested in what we're doing? So they see that as a really strong and sort of affirming signal that what they're doing is creating value in the lives of the kids. And so some examples of that, I mean, uh, to some of our grantees, uh, Michaela Streeter and uh, Cabral Muhammad lead an organization called the Zucchini's Homeschool Co-op. It's in Atlanta, Georgia. They've been up and running for a couple of years. They've more than quadrupled their enrollment. Let me tell you what, folks, something good is happening there because more people want in. Right. Yes. That is a strong sign. Um, another, um, Iman Aline, she she runs Kind Academy in Coral Springs, Florida. She has, you know, multi-site micro school models. She has 50 kids. She's expanding to serve another 150. And she's got bold, ambitious plans to launch a micro school network of many, many, wow. many sites. And so and she's bringing a unique, a new and different approach to education. So she sees that demand signal and she's just crying out for how can I serve this wait list? How can I serve this demand? I've got people who want in, right? And so we see that now, of course, there's traditional measures as well. Um, and, and our entrepreneurs tell us, you know, they look at, at student portfolios, they look at, you know, what they're able to produce, they look at their writing, they, you know, I mean, all the different ways that you can evaluate student performance, they look at mastery of math and, and reading and English language arts, I mean, all the things you would expect, but they're doing it in their own way, on their own terms, and they are, but they're primarily focused on, are my customers coming back? Do they love it? And do they want more? Wow, that is incredible. All of the places that you mentioned, I feel like there was an energy to it. You know, when you see that growth, it motivates you to keep going. Sometimes when you're thinking outside of the box, it can be hard getting other people to buy into your ideas. And so to hear about the success of others, it shows that their community cares about what they've come up with and is invested in it. And those are two things that really matter, especially when you are so passionate and committed about it, you want other people to also be willing to buy into your idea as well. So that is fantastic. I know people are listening to us and they're like, wow, this is incredible. I definitely want to learn more, but I know that everybody that applies to be grant recipients don't always get awarded. What are you looking for most when considering funding an organization's project or idea? So this is a really good question and we get it frequently. So we invest in a wide range of educational services. So everything from small learning environments, think of like um, micro schools, uh, homeschools, uh, like homeschool co-ops, um, pods, community-based learning. And so, so that's sort of one category, small learning environments. We also invest in content and resources. So materials that can be distributed broadly, but in ways outside of traditional classrooms. And then finally, parent and student support. So you know, counseling and training and other programmatic opportunities that really enable uh, families and kids to chart their own path. So those 
are some of the characteristics, but then, you know, there's a lot of things that qualify, right? So you asked, what are we really looking for? So we're looking for things like, are you increasing access to unconventional education and removing barriers to make it possible for people who otherwise couldn't access it? Right. That's super important. And we find that more than 70 percent of our applicants are trying to reach people who who don't have the resources to do this. Um, secondly, are, are you helping kids customize their educational experience to make it just right for them? Right. Yes. Third, are you reimagining learning like where it happens, how it happens, how it's done in a truly unique and different way than a traditional classroom environment? Uh, fourth. Is your work community driven and community responsive, right? Are you first leaning into and meeting the needs of your community? And then finally, just to put this out there, we are completely agnostic to pedagogy. So there are lots of different ways, lots of different models to engage children in the learning process process. And so we don't say, hey, we're only this or only that. We see a lot of everything. Um, lots of different educational philosophies that are tried. And many people are doing a blend and making it their own. In fact, I've um, I've spoken with grant recipients and said, oh, are you kind of like a Montessori model? And they'll say, no, 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 we're our own thing. Right. <laughs> and I think, oh, yeah, that's right. Of course you are. Absolutely. So you I know that you find the work that you're doing rewarding because it it's incredible just hearing you talk about it. I can see the joy. I hear about, you know, how passionate about what you're doing. So as the founder, what is the most what is most fulfilling about running this particular organization? Yeah, so hands down, it's it's living the work. We believe at Vela that we want to make everyone and everyone every everything and everyone around us better. And so when we're able to, to interact with our Vela community members or grant recipients and we see the confidence and the creativity that's happening, that's what's that's what brings us the greatest joy. So when somebody reaches out to us, we hear this all the time and they say, look, you believed in me. I've never received outside funding support before and you believed in me and you didn't tell me what to do. You told me you believed in me that I could go and make it happen. I, it's like it gives me goosebumps. It gives everyone on our team goosebumps. We want more of that. And because that's the com I mean, look, the answers are within us in our communities, right? We just have to have the confidence to pursue it. So if we can do a small part by granting a micro grant and that gives confidence for someone to unleash their creativity, that's what brings the joy. So I, I that's all I got on that. I mean, it's it's so much fun to get that feedback and to see somebody smile and br just brimming with confidence. Yes, and I think it goes back to your two words that you mentioned earlier, the trust and permissionless. You know, in everything that you shared, the two words really embody that because people are able to do what they've been doing, but with with more trust and more funding, because sometimes people have great ideas, they just always don't have the resources to keep them doing it. Because there are many people who will start up with their own funding, with their own ideas, but they aren't able to sustain it. So you're helping people become, have more sustainable educational opportunities for their communities. And I think that's very valuable. So thank you. How can people in the community best support the work that you do? Because you're supporting a whole lot of people. How can people connect with you, partner with you and support Vela? 
Okay, so the most important thing is to just spread the word about the unconventional forms of education that are happening in the community. We've got to normalize these approaches, guys. I've heard too many people say to me, hey, this work is in the shadows. No, it's not. It's happening out in the open in communities everywhere. Let's talk about it, right? There's goodness to it. Let's make it normal because it is normal and then try it out. I mean, even if even if your, your child is in a traditional environment, there are supplemental experiences. There's ways to do more, right? There's ways to have an unconventional education experience that could rock your kid's world or your world as a parent to the extent you can get involved. Sure thing. So if you want to learn more about Vela, Vela can be found at velaedfund.org. It's V-E-L-A-E-D-F-U-N-D.org. Sign up for our newsletter, our application. Um, if you're interested in applying for a micro grant, we have an application round open right now. And you can also follow us on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and our YouTube channel, which has many videos. So that's how you can learn more about us. And we welcome collaboration and community building with, with anyone and everyone. Thank you so much. It has been a true pleasure and an honor. And I wish you and the work that you're doing much success. So thanks for coming and being on the Cleverly Changing podcast. Thank you. Did you know that we sell merchandise to keep our podcast going? Order a hoodie, t-shirt, mug, and more today. Visit cleverlychanging.com and click on the shop tab to place your order.